Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, June 25th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. President Joe Biden has reached a deal on infrastructure spending, but it's less than he'd been hoping for. And U.S. banks passed their stress tests with flying colors. Plus, Bitcoin this week dropped to less than half of what it was worth at its peak in April. We'll talk to our markets editor, Kitty Martin, about what's going on with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So there's just this real pushback that's building from various different parts of the world and from various different parts of the established financial system that is saying, okay, enough. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. U.S. President Joe Biden agreed with a group of senators on a big spending package, this time an infrastructure plan worth $1 trillion. That's less than half of the amount the White House originally proposed after all the compromises that were made. Here's the FT's Washington bureau chief, James Politi. They had to concede quite a bit of the climate-related initiatives that were part of the uh, original infrastructure package, as well as some of the manufacturing subsidies that they had put in the deal. Um, And overall, they had to trim sort of the spending levels in some of the areas even where they found compromise with the Republicans, um, including on sort of traditional infrastructure projects from roads, bridges, airports, broadband networks. They have a little bit of money in there for electric vehicles, but not quite as much as Biden wanted. Okay, so what happens next with this deal? Well, so the deal that the White House reached was actually only with 10 senators, five from each party. These are moderate senators. And so they are now going back to the congressional leaders, both Democrats and Republicans, and they're trying to broaden out the support for the agreement. Now, I think there's every reason to believe that they will sort of reach the critical 60-vote threshold to get an agreement through the Senate. And then the question is, how quickly can they get it through? Um, And also, uh, Democrats in particular, and Biden agrees with this, they don't want the rest of the economic agenda to fall by the wayside. Um, And so they're insisting that the bipartisan agreement is done. And even if that that gets sort of broad bipartisan support on Capitol Hill, it needs to be sort of matched with a bill that includes all of the rest of uh, Biden's economic agenda from childcare to some of the climate-related measures, care for the elderly and education funding, all you know, financed by tax increases on the wealthy and, and corporations. And Biden has said that he won't sign one uh, without the other. And so that could take, take a while. James Politi is our Washington bureau chief. The Federal Reserve yesterday loosened pandemic restrictions on dividends and buybacks by America's biggest banks. The move came as the Fed released the analysis of its latest stress tests. 23 big banks were put through hypothetical doomsday scenarios, like a stock market crash, to see how they'd hold up. The results showed the banks would collectively lose nearly $500 billion, but they would still emerge with more than double the required capital cushion. The FT's Imani Moise says now banks are about to unleash a slew of share buybacks. We have some analysts estimating that they're going to pay out more than 2021 profits to shareholders this year. So north of $200 billion is expected to flow back to investors. So Imani, going back to the stress tests, uh, banks came out looking really good. 
Was that due to all the stimulus measures? Definitely. I think that the stimulus definitely helped consumers emerge out of the crisis a lot healthier. All the stimulus payments helped bring down consumer debt balances as a lot of people paid off their credit cards and other types of loans. So consumer loans made up a much smaller portion of the overall, the projected loan losses in this hypothetical situation. But uh, the other thing to consider was that we got more stimulus at the beginning of this year that was not even taken into consideration when the Fed was analyzing these results. So had you included that, the banks would have actually looked a lot better performance-wise. That's the FT's U.S. Bank's correspondent, Imani Moiz. The price of Bitcoin has fallen 50% from its peak in April. In absolute numbers, if you recall, Bitcoin was trading at more than $65,000 in April. This week, it fell below $30,000. I checked in with the FT's Katie Martin. She notes that prices have picked up a bit. So congrats to any dip buyers that are, that are out there. <laughs> um, but the whole market just has a very different feel to how it did at the start of the year. You know, the opening weeks of, of 2020 and of, of 2021 and the back end of 2020 just felt like one-way traffic. You know, the only way was up. Now, if you're getting into crypto, it's much more perilous, you can expect to see much more bumps in the road. Okay, so why is this different? Does this feel any different to you? So it just feels like the wagons are circling a little bit amongst regulators and banking regulators or governments around the world are just taking a much closer look at the crypto market. So the latest drop came after China warned several large banks and payment companies to investigate and identify accounts behind crypto trading and block certain transactions that were linked to them. At the same time, you know, completely separate to this, South Korea, which is one of the most active markets in the world for crypto, has confiscated a load of cash, $47 million worth of crypto from 12,000 people over back taxes. The claim there is that exchanges have been used by people to hide assets. So three's a trend, right? And this comes straight after the BIS, Bank for International Settlements, also in the past few days has said that crypto works against the public good. And this comes again shortly after banking regulators applied pretty punitive rules to banks that want to hold this stuff. So there's just this real pushback that's building from various different parts of the world and from various different parts of the established financial system that is saying, okay, enough. So how are cryptocurrency traders responding to these warnings from regulators? Are they they even paying attention? It's worth actually looking at what the Bank for International Settlements said in recent days. It said it's clear that cryptocurrencies are speculative assets rather than money. Um, It also said that sometimes these currencies or crypto assets are used to facilitate money laundering, ransomware attacks and other financial crimes. It said that Bitcoin in particular has few redeeming public interest attributes. Wow. (laughs) This is banking regulatory kind of burn writ large. One of the problems is this message is actually just not cutting through. So in the UK, the Financial Conduct Authority, the kind of finance watchdog, did a study of who holds crypto in the UK. And it said that under one in 10 of potential buyers of crypto have heard the warnings from the FCA. And the people that have heard this message, a large chunk of them don't care. So, you know, 
if and when the sort of drop that we've seen in, in crypto prices already gets more severe, that's really going to test that because a lot of people are going to be kind of looking around and thinking, okay, I've lost my money, but surely somebody's going to bail me out. Someone's going to make me good. The answer is no, they are not. So looking, I don't know, five or 10 years down the road, Katie, do you think this moment of regulatory scrutiny will be described as a turning point? I feel like this year will go down as a point where the market either matures to meet greater regulatory requirements or shrinks because it can't. But I also think five or 10 years from now, there will be a lot of people looking around and thinking, where were the regulators? Where was the consumer protection? Because there's lots of ordinary people who don't really appear to understand the risks they're taking on here. I mean, crypto is too big to kill now, even if regulators want to do that. But it does strike me that consumers need a little bit more education at the very least. Too big to kill. Love that. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thanks, Katie. Welcome. Despite all this scrutiny from regulators, one of Silicon Valley's biggest venture capital firms is still confident in cryptocurrency. Andreessen Horowitz is the firm that backed Facebook and the crypto exchange Coinbase, and it's just raised more than $2 billion for a fund focused on digital assets. It's actually its third such fund, and it's a biggest thanks to strong demand from institutional investors. Andreessen Horowitz says it'll be focused on finding, quote, the next generation of visionary crypto founders. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. Our intern is Zoe Hahn. We had help this week from Gavin Kalman, Michael Bruning, and Persis Love. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. This is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.